Hello everyone and welcome back to the Three Guys Talk Football podcast, the podcast where three guys talk football. Um, slight upgrade on last week in that one out of the three of us is relative, <laughs> I imagine. Um, no prizes for guessing who that is, the Liverpool fan among us, Nathan Warby. How are you doing, Nathan? Hello, yeah, pr- pretty good. Yeah, what is time? It doesn't mean anything. Eight, nah, eight, eight, eight minutes. Yeah. Misha but, uh, Russell, uh, Alan Shearer, which is always funny. Yeah, it's always nice. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of spot on Twitter, which is always a good thing. <laughs> uh, and then we move on to the sad boys, one of which Ooh. is Chris King. Hello, hello. Sufferer. Sufferer is you? the right word, mate. Um, I'm alright. I'm I'm. Yeah, it's a lot in it. It's 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 a, it's a well by a lot I mean it's a a lot of nothing um but there you are Douglas Luiz potentially going to Arsenal for thirty million quid by the look of it come the end of the day maybe um no replacement in sight it's all it's all lovely stuff yes uh, slight spoiler for what I was going to come on to but it is as we record this deadline day a few hours Just- to go. Um, well, about six, just under six hours. Yeah, that's about um, So many incredibly exciting moments to come, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm George White, Chelsea sufferer. And we're going to start with that transfer window. And even though it's not fully closed as we speak, I'm going to do like a little rating, um, talking through who we think has had the best window and who has had the worst window. Um, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Excellent. Who who's been the standout in the transfer market this summer? Who do you think's come out of it a lot stronger than they went in? I I think there's only really one answer, and and that has to be Arsenal Football Club. I don't know why I said Arsenal Football Club instead of just Arsenal, but there you are. We move. That's where it's I started. Opposed to Arsenal Rugby Club, who have had yes, yes, yeah, the transfer window. Absolutely awful, lads. I don't know what they're doing. Um, but um, yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal have just done sick, haven't they? They've done upgraded in pretty much, you know, every position that they've brought people in. Um, got actual meaningful competition for places. You know, Saliba's come back. I know that's not signing, but it's it's like a free signing really for them. Um, after obviously giving him that time off in France, Jesus just looks insane. Um, really brings that attack together. You know, watching watching them play at the weekend, like for ninety minutes, I, I didn't realise quite how much movement he was doing and freeing up everyone. It's just absolutely bonkers. Um, and the, the scary part is they've still got like two, three signings that they've got on the bench just chilling to just come on. Well, they've got Emil Smith Rowe, who obviously performed so fantastically last season, and it's just they're really quite scary now. And obviously they've got that hundred percent record going against United at the weekend first proper test really I know some Arsenal fans were saying Villa was going to be a tough game but come on um, yeah just Arsenal Arsenal done absolute bits and it's continuation of obviously trimming down that squad in January so then they've got the space to do it and it's a really smart way of doing it actually having a vision to to look at it in like a, a year year and a half two year kind of vision rather than you know transfer windows here and oh crap we're going to sign someone so yeah Arsenal that's a, a big sell. It's going to be tough to argue with that, Nathan. Uh, are you going to try and argue with it, or are you in agreement? Uh, I was in a toss-up between Arsenal and one other club, because I think I think Jesus is going to take them quite far this season. But um, I've gone for Newcastle, uh, mainly on the back of the, the Isaac signing, who I think 
like when you look at some of the clubs that have been linked with him, like well, Arsenal, I think were one, and Manchester United as well. I think the fact that Newcastle managed to pull that out of the bag for was it 65 million something like that. Um, I think that's really impressive signing. Sort of uh, lets you know sort of what they're trying to do. But um, I've got, like looked at some of the other ones as well. You've got like uh, Nick Pope, obviously established Premier League goalkeeper, but, like arguably should be England's number one. Uh, Botman to shore up, you know, shore up the defence, and then I think uh, Matt Target as well, you know, a bit of quality at left back. So I just think, in addition to what they did, sort of in the January window, I think they've they've now got like a really solid spine of a team and a lot more quality than they did this time last year. And I think it's it's nice to see a team that's obviously like we know how much money they've got now, but it's it's nice to see a team not sort of well, I guess it's like like it feels like they're investing it in the right places and it's not just you know, throwing money at the wall, trying to you know, trying to pull in somebody who like just for the name, they're pulling in. I think really, really smart signings for what they need. So yeah, I think um, I think if they have another couple of windows like this, I think they will be challenging for the, maybe not Champions League, but top top six definitely. Yeah, I think those two are probably the the right choices, but just to mix it up a bit, I'll I'll go for Manchester City just because I think the fact that they managed to get Haaland is insane really um i know he probably didn't have that many options this summer because of you know the post-covid hit real madrid aren't quite there obviously barca have been barca uh, and Bayern munich aren't are never going to pay those sort of wages so but the fact that they managed to pull it off pretty smoothly really i think they kind of dragged it you know holland dragged it out a bit just for the drama and the attention i think more than anything um but they've got that one over the line and two hat-tricks already, you know, he just gives them an element that I think they needed to keep progressing. I think you've got to always keep evolving. doesn't matter if you've won four Premier League titles in five years, you've got to keep improving, adding new elements to your game. And he's a, a completely new element. And Pep seems to have, you know, sacrificed certain parts of his approach to fit Haaland in, which I genuinely wasn't expecting. So I think that's been amazing. And, you know, Calvin Phillips could end up as, you know, today's Jack Rodwell. Of course he could. But um, That's that's the dream, obviously. Yes. Exactly um, where he wants to be. The fact that he's there providing cover for Rodri, replacing Fernandinho, because that's, you know, an area that is easy to overlook because it's not an attractive position. Um, But they've got probably two of the best in the country now. So they've got this defensive solidity, something to aim for up top that gives them something different uh, and less of a reason to play Jack Greenish, which the way he's been at City is probably a good thing, to be honest. I would love to understand like that Greenish move. I really would. But you're not wrong. Their depth is bonkers. Like you look at you look at them. I mean, what did they score against Forest? Six of them? Is it six in the end? It's just yeah. wild. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite nine, but, you know, it's... It's not quite. It's not It didn't really justify such explosive language either, but... Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's the positive end of the spectrum. On the negative end, um, Nathan, who's the, who's the real loser? Uh, again, sorry to use such strong language, but who's coming out of this one worse than how they went in? Uh, I think it has to be Leicester, doesn't it? Really. Um, obviously, losing Schmeichel, who's been kind of, 
aside from Vardy, probably their most important player over the last sort of four or five years. Pretty much since they won the title, he's probably been their, their most important player. Um, I think to lose him and not get any real replacement, and then to lose Fafana as well without getting much of a replacement, I think is I think it's going to be a big problem for them. Um, like, luckily, they've managed to hang on to uh, Tillemans, which I think, like, if, if, it, if it wasn't for that, I do think they'd be a, sh- a pretty surefire relegation candidate. But yeah, I just think, uh, like, every other team in the league, if they have lost somebody major, they've at least managed to find a replacement. I think Leicester so far, obviously, as it stands, they might pull something out of the bag later today. But I think they're the other team that haven't haven't brought in an obvious replacement that's that looks like the Premier League quality, I would say. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement, actually. I was I was going to try and mix it up and pick someone else, but there really isn't anyone comparable. I mean, you could say Bournemouth probably haven't acted as quickly as they should have done, considering the amount of players that they've lost. They've lost, obviously, a leader at the back in Gary Cahill. They had a lot of lone players, uh, and you know they've now sacked the manager. So they've really... They've gone board first um, without really having the signings or the financial figures to back that up. But um, I do think Leicester, like you say, Leicester seem to have been a really good position in that they were up there with the best of the rest, maybe even the best of the rest. Uh, And they just, like I mentioned earlier, you have to keep evolving and keep improving. They just have not done that this window. Um, Chris, you in agreement? Yeah, there's no one else, is there really? I think it's the complacency of it. That's the thing of it. It's it's the fact that they they're just like you say losing these players, or everybody seems to wants to leave as well. Madison wants to leave, Tielemans wants to leave. Instead of like being proactive, getting those deals done, getting somebody through the door to replace them, they're just like, no, we'll just deal with you being unhappy. And it's like that's that's never gonna work. That's not that's not good. Yeah, and that is a good point in terms of the Fafana deal. That was always going to happen. But they kind of dragged the heels on it, even though he was so desperate to leave that he wasn't going to play. It just feels like if you got that done earlier, you got £70 million pounds there to to spend with some more time to invest it properly. But no, they did it the day before the window closes, uh, brought in a non-Premier League proven player as a replacement and definitely haven't used that money to improve the squad. As things stand, like you say, unless they bring in Cristiano Ronaldo late on, you know, something like that, and then uh, I could see it. he wants to move. And uh, to continue our love in here of being in complete agreement about things, we are going to move on to game week four slash five, um, and who we think has been the best player and uh, the worst slash most concerning team in the last couple of uh, game weeks, the last seven days or so. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll start positive this time. And it's Erling Holland, isn't it, Chris? Um, it's yeah, it's got to be. It has, it has to be. Like like we were saying in, in the, the intro, like, you know, two hat-tricks, potentially going to go to three at the weekend. Um... <laughs> the, optimism, the optimism at Villa Park is amazing. Mate, if we if we get out of that game not seven nil, I'll be happy. Um, but yeah, the he's just insane, isn't he? Really, like there's not there's not really a lot you can say. And it's one of those. It's like when when you saw like 
when you see players go into City and you see a lot of people being like, oh, look at the goals they're going to score now with the chances they're creating. That was a lot of what the talk was around with Grealish. Oh, look at the assists he's going to get now with better players around him. And quite a few players don't step up to that expectation. And then Haaland's just come in and done it anyway, as if he's been playing in the Premier League forever. Um, I'm not as like, I'm not going to eulogise him anywhere near as much as the people on Match of the Day, for example, who were just absolutely loving it, which was very intense. Um, But, you know, there's no getting away from the fact that it's not even the end of August and he's already scored like, what, eight, nine goals? Um, Uh, Nine, yeah. I think he's, um, I think he's the quickest player to get to nine goals in Premier League history. It's just bonkers, isn't it? It's just absolutely bonkers. I know we're working that explicit tag hard there, but yeah, everybody's going to be eulogised about him. There's not a fat lot I can add to it other than the fact that I'm just blown away by it. So, uh, Nathan, same for you. You want to? Do you want to go to match of the day levels of praise where it sounds almost inappropriate for uh, national television or? Uh, I won't quite go that far, and I, you know, I, I won't uh, keep using the language that Chris is using. But uh, no, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's been insane, and like a lot of people were maybe doubting him coming in because obviously you know comes in with a big price tag. He's only done it, you know, he's mainly done it in the Bundesliga, which it's not always the easiest to adapt to the Premier League. But um, I kind of always felt that just the way that he plays is going to suit the Premier League. Like he's so physical. Like I think a lot of the time when players come from abroad, it's the physicality of the league that kind of uh, sort of gets on top of them. But I, uh, yeah, just the way that he plays, like and the, the runs that he makes as well, are so clever that I think he was always going to score boatloads of goals. I, I think I don't think he'll keep up the same pace he's on now because I do think give it a few weeks and people might start to find him out a little bit. And yeah, I think teams are still in the process of trying to find a way to stop him. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be amazed if he doesn't come out of this season with 25 goals minimum. Yeah, well, uh, you'll be glad to know I've put him back in my fantasy team, so his goals will dry up instantly. Chris, I've done you a favour there ahead of his trip to Villa. Um, I couldn't help but captain him, though, because, you know, he does just seem scary at the moment, and Aston Villa's defence is easily scared. I think Romelu Lukaku proved that last year on two separate occasions, so... Yeah, I do worry for you in that regard, but you, you never know. Steve G Masterclass incoming? No? No. no, no. no. All right. Um, and that brings us on uh, to more sadness for Chris in that we're going to talk about the teams that have us worried after game week four and five uh, and explain why they are worrying us. And Chris, I imagine it's home turf for you, is it not? It is. It is. It's just... It's just sad. It's what it is. It's just, you know, I I, I watched the game and like two one. You, if you if you've not watched the game and you're looking at it, you're like, oh, that's not too bad. You didn't expect to beat Arsenal anyway. Like it's fine. It, it should have easily been four or five in the half time. We should have been out of sight. And then they just stopped playing because they knew we weren't going to do anything. And then we got a jammy one from a corner. And then they were like, oh, they've scored and instantly went up the other end and scored. And then went back to doing nothing. The, at the end of the game, there was genuinely a phase of the game where Eddie Nketiah was the only player up the pitch and every single time he got the ball despite having four players around him. And it was it was embarrassing. That's, that's, it's nothing short of embarrassing at the moment. You know, I'd, the fact that we any kind of pundit or commentator can sit there and go, yep, yeah, Villa are going to play really narrow. They're going to get overloaded on the width. They're going to 
be really stretched and easy to play through the middle as, as as a result as well because they're constantly transitioning from either side and i'm like if everybody can see that why are we not changing it why are we still sticking to it 10 months later we've been figured end of the day gerard's been figured out and he doesn't know what to do because michael beale's not there to tell him what to do and that that's the that's the tragic crux of the matter you know beale's doing really really well with qpr at the moment villa are going off a cliff we're not going to beat city at the weekend I doubt we'll beat Leicester. We'll probably lose to Southampton and we'll get battered by Leeds and we'll have three points by the end of September. It's just it's just how it's going to go. And I, I mean, even the signings that are coming in today, like Dendonka and Bednarak, makes, they're, they're smart signings, they're good signings, but, you know, another CDM, centre-back to replace Diego Carlos makes sense, on loan as well makes sense. But like, another CDM when you've got Nakamba and Tim Irabunum there and it's like so are we going to a double pivot because that's not how Gerard plays and you kind of you've got that bit in your brain now of like are you leaking or doing transfers for the next guy already and are you trying to get that guy to be Poch which is why they're probably getting two CDMs in um but yeah if 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 it stays how it is and this is exactly the kind of form that got Dino sacked. The players just look nervous. They just look scared. You know, there was a bit where um, the ball comes back to Mings and he just, like, hesitated to go for it because they're just, they're, they're so scared of being crucified or doing the wrong thing. Um, you know, whether that's down to the environment that they're playing in, they're not playing in a positive environment anymore, if it's down to the stress of, like, you know, fan attention, national attention, all of that, we, we're never going to know, but... It's just, there's. I was talking to my dad about it last night and there's not a worse team in the league. You know, arguably Bournemouth play better than we do and they're rubbish. I, <laughs> genu- <laughs> genuinely though, like, it, it's, it's, it's schoolboy stuff and it's the same side that finished 14th. Three wins in 16. Just abysmal. It's just abysmal. All right, well, that was a laugh a minute. Um, <laughs> Nathan, would you agree with Chris's uh, analysis of Bournemouth as rubbish? Um, are they the team, by any chance, that you're going to pick uh, for your most worrisome side? It's almost as if I put this in a WhatsApp message about an hour ago. Uh, yeah, the after me, definitely. Um, I think off the back of the, the Liverpool game, um, it kind of highlighted, I think, just how much they're going to struggle this season. Because don't get me wrong, it's like, you know, better teams than Bournemouth have come to come to Anfield and got, you know, sort of five, six goals put past them. But it, it was the way that it happened for them. Like, um, they just didn't offer anything going forward. They haven't got anywhere near enough pace, I don't think. I think when you're one of the small teams in a league where you're going to have spend a lot of time sort of sitting back and trying to set up pressure, you need that pace up top to give you some kind of outlet. At the minute, Bournemouth just don't have it. Um, you know, like Thomas Lanky, as much as I think he's a decent player, obviously did very well from the championship. He's, he's so, like, even if he starts, he's so isolated up top, and like he's not, he's not the man that you lump it over the top to. He's a guy that's meant to hold it up and bring other players into the game. And yeah, I just think with the amount of teams in the league that like to play possession, sort of Liverpool, City, Spurs, Chelsea to an extent, um, I think they're really going to struggle in, in those games. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, I, I could see them conceding five, six goals on quite a few occasions this season if they don't pull something out of the bag in the next sort of five hours of the transfer window. 
Yeah, which is not likely, I imagine. Um, it's it's tough to attract players to a club that has a manager that doesn't want to be there. It's even harder to attract players to a club that doesn't have a manager, I imagine. So, yeah, they've got a tough old season ahead. It'll be very interesting to see who they get to replace Scott Parker because, like, obviously, I think he, he probably was the best man for them at that point. Um, and I agree with what he said after the Liverpool game. I don't like, obviously, he shouldn't have said it probably when he said it. That's not, it's not a good look. But um, I, I think he was right. So I, I, I'm struggling to think of somebody who's going to come in there and, and do that. I think, I think Dustin off Neil Warnock might be the best bet. Are they going to go for Big Sam? Are we, are we, are we too Big early Sam. for Big Sam? I don't know. Like, you don't know really with Big Sam. He's, yeah. he's failed. That's it. He, he can't come back. Like, does, does Big Sam fancy it anymore? Like, I've not seen him. I haven't seen him linked for a long time. He's enjoying his retirement in Barbados, probably. That seems like a very Big Sam place to be. What about Daishi? Would Daishi do it? Daishi's not a bad shout. Yeah, so he was. Um, was was he at Bournemouth before? Have I made that up? I feel like I might have made that Sorry, up. So yes, we I think it no might idea. have been. I might have been the other way around where it was Eddie Howe at Burnley. It was. It was Eddie Howe at Burnley. But yeah, yeah. I think. Um, that is not a bad shout. I think the, the way it ended at Burnley, uh, I think he might be quite keen to come back to the Premier League. It's yeah. just who wants to move down south. Because mm. before, when, when Burnley was sort of overachieving and finishing mid-table, everyone was looking at him maybe moving up to like a, an Arsenal or even the England job. But I think I think now his, his stock's not quite as high, so I think Bournemouth might be the place for him, really. Yeah, that's a good shout. Bet three six five. It's my pick Nathan's <laughs> tip of the week. Um, yeah, that'd be more forward thinking than a big Sam or heaven forbid, Neil Warnock. So yeah, he's yeah, a long term manager in a Dutch. Long term manager. Yeah. Um and one that clearly knows how to work with a negative budget. So yeah, he might be the right guy. Um right, let's finish up with some fancy Premier League sadness on my end happiness on your end because you had a certain norwegian unit up top uh i didn't i swapped to harry kane and i don't know why because i don't like the guy and he lets me down every time i have him in my team but <laughs> i got baited i got baited with his early performances uh but like i say Haaland's back in the side for me sorry chris um i think even my jinx might not be enough to put him off um no. but the jinx is usually strong Oh no! I was just about to say I'm still not bottom of our group, but I am equal on points with Chris, which is terrible considering just how far behind you were. Not <laughs> yeah. so long ago. Um, and Nathan cruising to victory so far, 85 game week points. That is madness. Um, guessing on your end, not too many changes for the coming week. No, I kind of um, I spaffed my wild card last week because I uh, I kind of panicked and saw I, I had a shocking meet last week and oh, I realised that a lot of my gambles weren't paying off. Um, so yeah, I I did the opposite to you. I took out Kane and put in Haaland and made the smart decision to captain him. Um, and I also put in Luis Diaz, who obviously didn't do much, but I think long term will yeah will come good. Um, yeah, not too many changes. Uh, Rodrigo's injured, so. I'm not sure whether to take the punt and take him out if I can find someone decent enough to replace him, or I might just bench him and put Trippier back in. He's expected back in October, so you've only got a month to wait. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is he out for that long? Yeah, he's out for a month. 
All right. Might take, cool. Might take him out. Might take him out. Yeah. Plus, he always felt like one of those like meet you type. He's going to burn out super quick. Yeah. yeah. Like for the price, you can understand putting him in because it's not really much of a risk. But yeah, it, it, to score at that rate for Leeds is going to be difficult. Um, Chris, any updates on your end? Uh, not any transfers. I am debating changing Joel Linton for Alan to Maximam. Um, but other than that, not really. Let's have a look at the pick team. Because the fixtures are all looking quite nice next week. Obviously got Spurs against Fulham, Man City against Villa, Arsenal against United. Liverpool <laughs> against Everton. Everton. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Brentford versus Leeds, which should be tasty. So no, the only the only the only major change on mine is that my dad has once again forgotten to change his team, which means I am now slowly catching him up, as I'm sure you all care about. Um, but that's, that's what the listeners come here for. It's what they come here for is to know that a man, a man who named his team mine is still doing better than me because he didn't know what it meant. That's his yeah. Game eight thirty eight. Chris King's dad joins us for the. Uh... <laughs> bring, bring him on. Four guys talk film. We need to happen. Yeah, Biffin got uh, a big fill on. That doesn't even know where headset is, but he'll try his best. And on that incredibly personal note, that means nothing to anyone. This <laughs> <laughs> call, um, we will bring it to a close and come back after game week six. Hopefully, a better game week for a Chelsea fan slash FPL sufferer. Uh, but we shall see. Aubameyang, thirty goals this season, right, guys? That, yeah, yeah, everyone's nodding. Sure, yeah, sure. No, no podcast listeners can see, but they're all nodding. Everyone's nodding. Yes. Perfect. Um, right. Well, thanks for joining me, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, listener, for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.